Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. We have been studying on the topic of healing in this season. But does God's compassion on you cause you to be healed? To answer that question, stay tuned as we now have the father of the house, Pastor Preeji, come and break the word to us. We pray this blesses you. this season we've been studying on the topic of healing so so today we are going a little further are you ready for this let's begin with a psalm we did this last time also we'll do the same thing today psalm chapter 6 and we'll try and read the whole psalm today and we'll try to understand the cry of david david is uh, crying out to god and he's making his desperation known to the lord let's read it 1 2 3 go oh lord don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage so so david is going through this motion where he feels that god is angry with him and in fact it could have been a time when god had been angry with him do you know that god has emotions do you know that there are times when god can get angry okay there are two things that god has you know when it when it when you're talking about anger god has anger and god has wrath okay the wrath of god has been poured out on jesus so you're never going to experience the wrath of god you understand what i'm saying the wrath of god jesus took it upon himself when he died on the cross when he when he you know went through that process the jesus took that wrath upon himself okay but the anger of god we can still make god angry you'd see that in the new testament there are so many instances at one point god was so angry that he killed two people for just lying in acts chapter 5 you know the story right ananias and sapphira god can be angry even in the new testament the anger of god is a real thing and the bible says the psalmist is praying oh lord don't rebuke me in your anger i want you to rebuke me but not in your anger not when you're angry not in that uh, rage don't discipline me in your rage verse 2 he says have compassion on me lord for i am weak heal me lord for my bones are in agony which means david is going through this sickness because of which he is asking god for healing he is asking god to restore the the bones okay can you imagine to be hurting so bad that your bones are hurting that your bones are in agony whereas which means it's not just on the surface level which means it's not just physical it could be even an emotional turmoil it could be even a uh, a very deep rooted wound in your heart and and this is something that david is trying to overcome and he is telling god god i don't have right now i don't have the capacity to to take more uh discipline so will you please have compassion on me right now so he, he you know see you you are you when you're praying for compassion when you're praying for mercy you know that you don't naturally you don't deserve this but you're appealing to a character of god you're appealing to a side of god that you know you know that 
if you appeal to this side of God, it will work for you, even when you don't deserve it, even when God has to be angry with you, even when God has to be upset with you, you know that when you appeal to this side, and that's what it did. He, he said, Lord, have compassion. Instead of disciplining me in this season, instead of rebuking me in this season, will you please have compassion on me? Why? For I am weak. So I'm, this morning I'm ministering to those in this place who are feeling weak. And I'm ministering to those that are watching us from your homes and you're feeling weak. And you feel what David is feeling right now when he said, my bones are in agony. On the inside, you know, he, he probably didn't have all the psychological terms that we have today, you know, uh, that you, you're going through a mental trauma or, you know, all of those things. He, he, you know, there were no psychologists back then. Come on, guys. You know, there were, there were no study of uh, psychology. There was no study of uh, brain. Uh, but, but he's saying, my bones are in agony. Which means it's, a, it's very deep on the inside of him. There is an agony. So he's asking God, saying, will you have compassion on me? Verse 3, read it with me. He says, I am sick. Where? See, if it's a sickness in my body, I can deal with it. It's not very hard. But when the sickness of the body enters into the heart, then it becomes more challenging. All of us, we've gone through sickness in our body. But when that sickness in our body now begins to eat on your heart, when it begins to discourage you, when it begins to uh, cause your faith to go down, when it begins to cause your courage to diminish, then it's a serious sickness. As long as the sickness doesn't enter your heart, you know, this, uh, you know with COVID, they, they say, right? As long as there is no lung infection, it's all right. Yeah? In the same way, as long as this sickness doesn't enter your heart, when I say heart, I'm not talking about your physical heart. I'm talking about your, your inner heart, your soul. It says, Lord, I'm sick. I'm so deep in agony and I'm sick in my heart. How long, O oh Lord, until you restore me? So he's appealing to the compassion of God and he's saying, God, I need restoration. God, I need help today. Lord, I need to, to be restored. Will you please help me? Will you please, uh, you know, return to me? Verse 4, return, O oh Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. See, in all of this, he's not recounting what he has done because when you're appealing for compassion when you're appealing for mercy you cannot say i have done this and i have you know been there i have preached the gospel or i have paid my dues or i have prayed enough or i have done this no you cannot do that when you're appealing for compassion you're you, you're saying god i remember that you have unfailing love i remember that you're gracious i i remember the fact that when so-and-so person cried out for mercy, you helped them, you reached out, and you, you gave them everything that they needed. And so today, I am going to cry out. I am going to appeal to your unfailing love. He, he's giving a reason to God. He's saying, because of your unfailing love, will you please save me? Verse 5, for the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? In other words, what he's saying is, the reason I want you to heal me is because I would like to praise you. 
because I'd like to worship you, because I'd like my healing to be the reason uh, to, to restore my praise, to restore my worship. See, if I'm dead, if I'm, if I'm unable to sing, if I'm unable to write songs to God, if I'm unable to uh, you know, speak out what I'm feeling in my heart towards God, that's a, that's, that's a failure. So he's saying, God, you know, how can I praise you if I'm in the grave? He's not saying, how can I run the country if I'm in the grave? He's the king of the nation, right? He's not saying, how can I take care of my family if I'm in the grave? You see, the reason why you need your healing is very important. If you're saying you need healing because, you know, there's nobody else to take care of your family, God will be like, are you serious? You think you were taking care of your family? No, I was taking care of them. I don't need you to take care of them. I can take care of them with or without you. That's not good enough reason. If you say, no, if you, know, if you don't heal my heart, how will I get married? No. All of these things is not a big enough reason. But if you, if you appeal to God saying, God, I want my healing to be a reason to bring glory to you. I want my reason to, I want my restoration to be the reason why I am able to sing your praise one more time. I want my healing to be the reason why I am able to uh, give thanks to you one more time. Why people will celebrate your goodness one more time. I want my healing to be the reason, to be the trigger point for people to look at and glorify you. That is a good reason for you to pray for healing. You know, I, I, I don't want us to pray for healing just to satisfy ourselves. You know, because you should understand that everything that you go through is temporary. Yeah? Your body is temporary. Your, your, your life here on earth is temporary. Just, just imagine, 60 to 80 years you live here on earth and compare that to eternity in heaven. Eternity. How long is eternity? Anybody, are, anybody doing calculation? <laughs> Try not to. It's, it's a failed mathematic equation. You know, your computer will begin to hang if you try to calculate eternity. It's, it's not worth it. It's not going to work out because this 80 years is like a small drop in an ocean. You know, that's how you would compare, you know, our life here on earth to eternity. Will you spend all your effort trying to, you know, you know fix this one small drop or will you want to pay attention to the ocean? So God, it doesn't make sense for us to appeal to God based on temporary reasons, based on temporary situations. Here he says, if I go to the dead, if I, when, I'm, when I'm dead, how can I sing your praise? How can I worship you? Now, when he says, how can I worship you? He's not talking about the world outside, you know, the, the world after death. There I can worship, but who will worship you here in church? Who will worship you in Bangalore? That is a good enough reason for me to stay alive. Bangalore needs me to be a worshiper. Bangalore needs me to be a preacher. Bangalore needs me to be uh, uh, the voice in the wilderness. So, so I, I'm praying that you would restore me, you would restore my mind, you would restore my heart, you would restore my bones so that I, my, my voice is still prevalent in this city. It is still prevalent in this household. If I don't worship you in my house, there's nobody else, God. So will you please heal me so I can worship you in my house? So will you please restore me so that I can bring an incense? I can bring sacrifices that I can bring offerings to you. Worships. He says, I am, I am worn out from sobbing. 
all night I flood my bed with weeping and drenching it with my tears. Can you imagine the deep agony that he's going through? Now you understand the bones were not literally the bones. It was, it was, it was something more deeper than that. It could have been a mental trauma. It could have been whatever he was going through at that moment uh, that he was saying, I, I'm just spending the whole night sobbing. And I'm, I'm just flooding my bed with my weeping. I don't know who, who has gone through this experience in this last one week. I don't know what kind of experiences you've had, what kind of emotional experiences you've had. But this is what David went through. And he says in verse 7 that as a result, my vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. You know? and, and, he's saying, and, he's, and he's telling God what is happening as a result of this sickness. He's saying that my vision is blurred by grief. Do you know that when you are in that moment, when you're so heartbroken, you're, you know, that's, that's the moment you are not seeing things correctly. That's when, you know, see, let, let me ask you this. If you, I, I know that all of us can see well, but for whatever reason, if you cannot see for a day, how would you get from one place to the other? Feeling, Feeling okay. That's good. What else? Sound, Sound okay. Ask for help. You know, isn't that like the fastest way? Ask for help with, to somebody else who can see. Okay? So if I have to get from this end of the room to the other end of the room, and I know that I cannot see, it's better that somebody who can see leads me to the other side. You know, if I have to cross the road, rather than taking a risk saying, okay, you know, I'll, I'll see where it, how, when, when, when it comes, if a vehicle comes... If they stop or if they hit, let me see how, you know, rather than doing that, I'd rather wait and hope that somebody will see my situation and help me cross the road. So what happens is sometimes when you're going through grief, you need to find somebody else who can see. Instead of declaring, well, oh, I know, I know, I know, this is the right thing to do. No, don't, you, you don't know at this moment. You have no idea. You know how this blind man, they feel the elephant and they try to figure out what the elephant is all about. You know the story, right? Come on, talk to me. Yeah? They, 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 they say, one guy says it's a rope. You know, one guy says it's like a wall. You know, one, one guy, you know, feels the ears and says it's a fan. You know, everybody has a, one guy says it's a horse pipe because he's held the trunk. You know, everybody has a different interpretation. Why? Because all of them are blind. That's when you call somebody who can see and tell, ask him, explain what is in front of me. Explain what I'm going through. Because right now my grief has blurred my vision. My grief has made my eyes worn out. That is why I, I wouldn't encourage you to make decisions when you're in grief. I mean, see, if David went through this process, we may all go through this one day or the other. There are different things that we may go through in life. But how you respond to it, what you do when you're going through that grief, rather than taking things in your own hands and saying, okay, uh, give me a cyanide or give me sleeping pills or saying, okay, give me, uh, you know, a way out of this. Let me, let me just, you know, take things in my own hands. What do you say? You find somebody else who knows better. You find somebody else who can see what you can see. You find somebody else who, who has the capacity to 
see things that you are not able to see. And it's very normal, guys. It's not something that, is, that, is be, that, that we have to look down upon. You know, when you, when you see a blind person, what do you, what do, you do? You help the person. You don't say, what is this man? All these years you still don't know how to cross the road. You, what do you do? You help them, help him cross the road, right? You, look, you don't look down upon that person, yeah? And I, I pray and I hope that we will, as a church, we will have that attitude where we are not going to like look down on people, but we're going to say, okay, you're blind. I know you're, 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 you're hurting right now. Your vision is blurred. Right now, you don't walk by yourself. Just listen to what I'm telling you. Just follow me. Just stand by next to me. Just do what I'm asking you to do. Don't take things into your own hands because, you know, not everybody is going to be as kind as I am. So just follow me. Just go with me in this journey. When your vision is blurred by grief, don't take things in your own hands. The next verse, he says, uh, verse 8, Go away, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. Can I, can I speak this over the church today? The Lord is saying, I have heard your weeping. People may not have situations, your, your family members may not have, but God has always and always, he has always heard your weeping. So because God has heard your weeping, now you can speak to those who do evil. Now you can speak to those who hurt you. Now you can speak to those who are, uh, you know, taking you down. You can say, hey, get away from me because the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea and the Lord will answer my prayer. Verse 10, may all my enemies be disgraced and terrified. May they suddenly turn back in shame. Come on, speak this over your diseases today. Speak this over your illness. Speak this over whatever is tormenting you right now. May all my enemies, may all those things that are terrifying me, may all those things that are causing me to lie awake at night. May all those things that are causing me to cry, causing me to weep, causing me to sob, causing me to cause my vision to be blurred, all those things, may it be disgraced and may they be terrified. May they suddenly, in Jesus' name, suddenly turn back in shame. Yes, everything that brought you shame is now going to turn back in shame. We speak disgrace and shame upon the works of the enemy. In Jesus' name. Because the Lord has heard our plea. Because the Lord will answer my prayer. See, the psalmist here, he's appealing to the compassion of the Lord. He knew that, okay, Jesus has not come yet. He knew we are living in the Old Testament and still he knows that God is a compassionate God. He is a God who has unfailing love. Let's, let's go into the New Testament uh, in Luke chapter 7, and we'll begin with verse 11. I want you to understand this story in the context of what we just read in Psalm 6. Yeah? Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was the widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her. Who is this lady? She's a widow and she has an only son. Okay? She initially lost her husband and now she's lost her son. 
Now, can you imagine the grief that will cause you? Only son, the only person in your family who is left. You've already lost your husband. You know, widow means that he died, you know, sometime recently. And then now you've lost your only son. Can you imagine the grief that you're in at that point? Uh, you know, if, if you would give this lady some sits, it will fit perfectly fine. Because she's saying, you know what, my bones are in agony. I've lost everything. I, I don't have any hope. I don't have anything left to talk about. I don't have anything left to uh, hope for. Everything is gone. My only son is dead. And the Bible says there is a large crowd that were following her from the village. See, everybody else, they are following her because they know she's right now blurred with, her vision is blurred with grief. So we'll help her. We will take her to the destination. We know the next step after death is to go to the grave. So we'll help her. So they are, they are accompanying her. They are standing with her in this season. The verse 13, it says, But when the Lord saw her, when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion and he told her, don't cry. He, he's not giving her the solution to her problem. What is he saying? Don't cry. When he, was, oh, when he overflowed with compassion, he saw what she's going through. He saw the agony that she is in. He, he saw the situation. You remember what David prayed? The Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord has heard my prayers. The Lord has seen it. See, all through this time, she is walking to the grave thinking that this is it. She is crying thinking that this is it. But all through this time, Jesus had a plan. You know, Jesus is in fact coming in the opposite direction. He had his own party with him. Okay, and, and Jesus is coming and he's about to give her an encounter that's going to change her life. All through this time, Jesus' eyes were on her. And so what I want to focus on is this word compassion here. You remember David appealed to the compassion. Come on, guys, you remember Psalm 6 verse 2. Have compassion on me. That's what David prayed. And now here, the, Lord say, the Bible says the Lord overflowed with compassion. And because he overflowed with compassion, he spoke to her and said, don't cry. Now, this word, compassion, I can't tell you the Greek word because it's very complicated. It's, it's, it sounds like some bacteria's name, but, <laughs> but I'll tell you what it means, okay? I'll tell you what it means. It means, okay, this, this word, for example, is used only 12 times in the Bible and all 12 times in relationship with Jesus, Either Jesus is speaking it or Jesus is experiencing it. Nobody else in the New Testament or in the Old, nobody else has experienced this emotion. It's something that only Jesus experienced, okay? This is not what Peter and John experienced when they were healing the sick, nothing. This is only what Jesus experienced. Can I explain to you what it means? From the Strong's translation, I'll read it out. It says, to have the bowels yearn or feel sympathy, your bubbles or from the inside of you to, for something to come out. From your inside, a deep yearning to come out. So it's not like nobody else in the New Testament had pity or sympathy. But Jesus had this particular emotion where from the inside, there was a deep 
emotion that came from the inside. It will just erupt from the inside when he saw this woman. And the Bible says because of that deep emotion, because he overflowed with compassion, you know, you understand that term, right? That came from his bowels, a yearning that came from his bowels. You know, there is some, sometimes when we feel bad but from our head, right? There's sometimes when we feel bad, but it's also, it's from our heart. We're emotional about it. You know, you give it one minute, two minutes, a week, it'll come down. You know, you'll get used to it. But there is this emotion that Jesus was experiencing, experiencing that was way deeper than that. Because if you read the term in, um, in Greek, you would see that Jesus would also say, out of your same belly will flow rivers of living water. And now, another place the Bible says, that same bowels, out of that same belly came a deep yearning from Jesus that was overflowing on the inside of him because of which he said, don't cry. It is translated in English as compassion. Okay, of all 12 places in the New Testament, it's translated as compassion. But it is a deep yearning. It is not in the realm of the mind. It is not in the realm of the heart. It is in the realm of the spirit because it's from the spirit that the reverse flow, right? So this compassion is also from the realm of the spirit. And that's why it says from the bowels, a deep yearning from the bowels that caused Jesus to look at her and said, don't cry. Stop your grief. You can stop crying. I know what you're going through. I understand what you're feeling. I, I, I'm about to go through that in a little while. When my father loses me on the cross, I, I know what you're feeling because I am my father's only begotten son and I will die and, I, I, and I'm, I'm preparing myself for it. So, so Jesus, he had that deep compassion on the inside of himself and he, and he looked at her and said, don't cry. You know, what I want us to do is to also read some other places in the New Testament where we read this same word. Can I, can I read them out to you? Okay, this is, the first one is in Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. I'm not going to read everything, but I'll just read a few of them. Okay, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because, because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What is he saying? When he saw the crowds, he saw that they didn't have any any shepherds, they didn't have any leaders, they didn't have anybody who would, who would guide them. So Jesus is looking at a group of people that are confused, that are helpless, that, that are clueless about what they're doing in this season, that are completely lost. Jesus is looking at them and, he, and, and what is the expression, what is the feeling that he has? A deep yearning from the inside, from the bowel deep compassion okay in english we may call it compassion but it was not just compassion it was something very deep where where it came from from his spirit where from his spirit he had a response towards them you know and jesus knew that i i, I can't help all of them because they were not looking for they they were scattered like a sheep without a shepherd but they were not wanting a shepherd they were wanting a king and that's why Jesus couldn't help him because Jesus had come to shepherd them. Jesus had come to help them. But because they were not ready, Jesus couldn't help. And yet, the Bible says Jesus, his heart 
it was overflowing with compassion. So can it be that God can have compassion on us and still not be able to help us? Come on, talk to me today. You don't see Jesus doing anything about this because they are not ready to help them. They are not ready for help. They are not receptive to the help that Jesus wants to give him. Jesus does not become the shepherd of all those crouch. He doesn't. He, he does teach them at several seasons of life, but he was not able to become their shepherd, although that is what they wanted. So it's possible that we can receive the compassion of God. So, so you, know how, you know how we interpret our situation. See, I have prayed for 10 years. Nothing has changed. So God doesn't have compassion, compassion on me. I have, I have been asking God for healing in this one area and I have not been healed. So God doesn't have compassion. No, trust me. God's compassion, his heart towards you is not limited to your experiencing the result of that heart. Okay? See, in the story that we are reading today, there is going to be a miracle. Okay, in Luke chapter 7, there is going to be a miracle. If you don't know, I'll, you know, I'll break the climax for you. You know, there is going to be a miracle and that guy, that only begotten son, he's going to come back to life as a result of the compassion. But see, the Bible says Jesus told her, I don't want you to cry now because I have heard your tears. I have heard your cries. So, so now you can stop crying. I have seen you. So now you can stop crying. I'm, I'm here to comfort some people this morning in telling you, hey, God has heard your cry. If, if, if man has heard your cry, no, you cannot still stop. But if God has heard your cry, if God has seen your tears, then you have the legal ground to stop crying. Then you, then you can stop because Jesus has seen it. Jesus has noticed what you're going through. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, you get breakthrough immediately. Like in this case, uh, Jesus... You know, looked at them and that, you know, the next verse, in fact, he told um, the disciples, he said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers. Why? Because Jesus was looking at this crowd that was without a shepherd, that was scattered, that didn't have any uh, guidance. They were clueless. They were confused. They were helpless. So Jesus saying, you know, these guys are not ready for my help, so let's pray for them. That's all that Jesus could do, okay? Let me give you another place, okay? Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. This, this is awesome, okay? Uh, I want you to uh, read this. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, okay? And as a result of them, as a result of that compassion, he healed all their sick. Every sick person on that on the shore, every sick person that were there in that land, Jesus healed them. Why? Because he had compassion on the crowd that came. See, Jesus, he's always moved when, when we show up in numbers. He's always moved when we show up in, with all of our passion. He's always moved when we uh, come with everything on the inside, when we come with a, a, a passionate expression of what we want to give him. He's, he's always moved. And the Bible says when he saw them and he, he was moved with compassion, he healed all of their sick. Can, can I read another verse? It's in uh, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 32. Okay? 
This is going to make some of you happy, I hope. It says, then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people, for they have been with me for three days and they have had nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. So Jesus saw a group of people that were hungry, that didn't have food to eat for three days. And the Bible says he had compassion. You know the word sorry that is in NLT? It's the same, you know, that, that bacteria word in, in, in Greek that says he had the deep compassion, a compassion, an emotion that would come from the inside and, and he would respond. And you know what happens on that day. Everybody got food to eat. Let me give you another place. Um, Matthew chapter 20, 20 and verse 34. Okay, this is a story we are familiar with. And here you would see that Jesus would reach out and, and touch because of compassion. Uh, it says in the NLT translation, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 34, Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes and instantly they could see and they followed him. So here Jesus, in, in, in response to compassion, he reached out and touched. In the first place, he just prayed for them. In the second place, he healed them. In the third place, he in fact touched them. Okay, he, he reached out and touched them. Are you ready for the next one? This is more beautiful, okay? Luke chapter 10 and verse 33. The Bible says that, uh, you know, this is a story that Jesus is narrating, okay? This is not uh, something that Jesus experienced. Jesus is telling a story and he says, a, a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. A despised Samaritan felt what? Compassion. You know what word is used here? The deep spiritual longing, like spirit-based longing, not heart-based pity, not mind-based, you know, feeling. No, it was a deep emotion from, from the bowels, something coming from the inside. You know the story, right? Where one guy goes, sees the man. No, you don't know the story? Should I tell you the story? Okay, let me tell you the story. There was a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho, he got attacked by a mob of robbers. And they left him on the ground thinking he is going to be, you know, bleeding to death. And he left, they left him and went. First came the worship leader of the church. Uh, he, he, Levite, you know, you know who is the Levite? Yeah. Worship, Levite is a worship leader, right? So the, 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 the worship leader said, man, I, I so love this guy, but in his head, okay? But, but, I, but I, I can't uh, be late to church today. Sijo is going to take my case. If I, if I get late to church, I can't, I can't get to lead worship today. So I'm, I'm just going to cross over to the other side and he will skip. Next came the senior pastor of the church. Okay, the pastor said, wait, wait, wait. My people are waiting for me. You know, I don't have time for this right now. I will probably uh, come back to this at a later point. And then the Bible says, then came a despised Samaritan. Somebody who wouldn't naturally, you know, be the one to help. He wouldn't even touch a Jew. Okay. But the Bible says, as he saw this man on the road, a deep emotion came from the inside. A deep emotion came. And, and, and the Bible calls it the same word that Jesus experienced. And he says, hey, there was this deep spiritual yearning from the bowels that came from his heart for this man on the road. 
Okay, we'll come back to that. The next verse that you see the same term is in Luke chapter 15 and verse 20. This is a story we are all familiar with. Let me read this uh, for you. Luke chapter 15 and verse 20. It says, so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion. What did he do? He ran to his son, embraced him and he kissed him. So, so I want you to see these various levels. First place, he had compassion, but he couldn't do anything about it. He said, they're not ready, so let's just pray. Let's believe for more workers to come. The second place, the Bible says he, he, he was like, okay, I'm having compassion. I'm going to heal all of their sicknesses. The third place, he's not just doing a general healing. Now he's reaching out and touching the, the two blind men. You remember that story, right? The fourth place... What you see is Jesus is now saying how he stopped his schedule. He had a schedule, you know. If we compare the good Samaritan to Jesus, he had a schedule. He would stop, get off his horse, get off his donkey, and, and put this guy, take this guy up and, you know, heal his wounds, personally tend to his wounds, pay for his hospitalization, pay for the bills, and make sure that he's taken care of. But the last story is the most beautiful because the Bible says... He ran to his son out of that compassion. And now he's not just touching him. Now he's not just restoring or healing or praying for him. Now he's embracing him. And now he's kissing him. And now there is a deep intimacy between the father and the son. And the son doesn't deserve it. And the son doesn't deserve it. See, that's the whole point of this compassion. The son doesn't deserve it. See, we'll all have compassion on somebody that we are related to, that we are associated to, that we have, that we have an obligation to, okay? If I came to your hospital when you were sick, you know, you would come to visit me too, right? Come on, talk to me. Just by a natural obligation, you would come. But those people that you don't have an obligation to, you don't, you don't necessarily go, but that's what Jesus does. He says, hey, you, you stepped out of the house. You ran away. You said... You know, I am, it's, it's like I'm dead to you. The son, when he asked for inheritance, you know what it means? It means he's saying, I, I don't want you, father. You are dead to me. You, you don't exist anymore. Okay, he's actually saying that I, I don't believe that I need you in my life anymore. And still, the Bible says, as, he's, as soon as the father saw the son, he left everything and he ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him out of that deep compassion that he felt on the inside. Come on, church. The Lord is having compassion on some of us today. If we are ready to ask him for it, you know, we, we don't deserve it, but if we are ready to ask him for it, the Lord is ready to have compassion. If we will appeal to his unfailing love, he will show us, he will pour out his unfailing love upon us. And in Luke chapter 7, let's go back to Luke chapter 7, okay? I, I just wanted you to understand the meaning of this word compassion. Okay, that's why we went through the other four, five places in the Bible where we see that word. Let's read verse 13 one more time. Luke chapter 7, verse 13. It says, when the Lord saw her, his heart it overflowed with compassion and said, don't cry. 
and he told her, you can now stop crying. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it and the bearers stopped. And then he said loudly, young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And immediately, then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. So first, what Jesus did is he, he spoke to the one in grief. See, the dead man was not in grief. The dead man was happy. You know that if, you, if, you, if you're de dead, you know, the only person grieving is the people around. The dead man is not grieving. He's so happy. He's in a better place. He's in a much safer place. He's enjoying the, you know, the angels and heaven's manna and all of that. And then he has to be called back into, you know, now, oh no, now I have to eat my mother's food again for the, <laughs> the same old cooking, the same old uh, dal chawal, you know. It's not a happy place for him to be, okay? He's not, but, but it is the woman that is grieving. And, and the Lord addressed that grieving woman first. And then he, once her crying stopped, the Lord walked over to the, uh, the coffin. You know, you should understand this. It's a procession. It's moving, right? It's, there, is a, there is a momentum to this procession. You're, you're, you're like every inch you're getting closer and closer to the grave, to the point of no return, to the point where there is no more hope after this. Every inch. And Jesus, he, he came in such a force, such a measure that he stopped the procession first. Then he addressed her grief. And then he went out and reached and touched the coffin. And he asked the young boy. He addressed, he spoke to the young boy saying, young man, I speak to you. Get up. And as soon as he got up, he started talking. As soon as he got up, he started having conversations. He, you know, he, he just, that was a sign of life. I'm praying that in this season, things that you you thought, you know, you've, you've had to give up on, those things will now begin to have a voice. Okay? They will begin to talk in different ways. You, you're going to see evidence of life. Okay? I know that you may not be contending for a literal physical resurrection right now, but there are those things in your life where you're looking for evidence of life. And I'm declaring right now as a man of God for you, right now I'm speaking to the dead situations in your body, I'm speaking to the dead situations in your bones. I'm speaking to the dead situations in your home. I'm speaking to the dead situation in your heart. I'm speaking to the dead situations in your relationship. I'm speaking to the dead situations with that bank loan. I'm speaking to the dead situations with your, with, with, with your family members, that the mess with your family members. I'm speaking to that dead situation in the mighty name of Jesus. Young man, get up. This situation rise up. Everything that is broken, everything that is shattered, let it come back to life. Let there be evidence of life. Let there be the, the sound of life. Let it be heard in your house one more time. Let the sound of life, let it, let it, be, let it begin to show up in your womb. Let the, let the evidence of life show up in your womb one more time in Jesus' name. We speak restoration this week. We speak restoration because our God is compassionate. Not because we deserve it, because our God is compassionate. Because He's walking the halls of this church this morning time. We are appealing to His compassion and we are saying, Lord, touch your people. Let there be evidence of life.
Let there be conversations that are going to cause people to be stirred up to believe that you are still working in their life. Those of you who think that, you know, God has God stopped working in your life, this week, wait and watch. You're going to get evidence, evidence of life, evidence of God's work in your life, evidence of God's provision for you, evidence of God's care, evidence of God's embrace over your life, evidence of God kissing you, of your father kissing you, be intimate with you. May you experience that conversation this week. May you have that revelation this week that is going to cause every one of your fears, every one of your worries to be swept away in the mighty name of Jesus. You know John 3.16. What is John 3.16? For God so loved the world. Okay, because most of you don't know, I'm going to still read it, okay? Because only a few people seem to be knowing it. Uh, let's read John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. Okay, that's more powerful. Okay, I want you to remember John chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to do what? But to save the world through him. Now, what do we deserve? We deserve judgment. We deserve condemnation. We deserve to be punished for what we have done. That's why the psalmist is praying. He's saying, Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger. Don't discipline me in your rage. And, and here, Jesus is giving us the answer. Jesus is saying, I didn't come. I didn't come to condemn. I didn't come to hurt you. I came to save you. You know, see, when we understand why Jesus came, he didn't come so that we'll feel more bad about what we have done. He didn't come so that we'll feel more, uh, more guilty or, uh, you know, we, sometimes uh, in the church, we, um, our business is to make people feel guilty. You know, as, as much as what you've done is wrong, as much as what, you, what you've done doesn't deserve healing, doesn't deserve the touch of God, doesn't deserve an answered prayer, Guess what? God says, I didn't come to judge. I didn't come to condemn. I came to save people. And that is true about you. And that is true about the people that you are condemning today. You know, when it comes to us, we are, oh yes, amen. But when it comes to the other person who hurt me, no, no, no. That doesn't work that way. You know, God is only saving me. God is only healing me. God is only providing for me. But the other guy, no, I don't think God has a good plan for him. No, you should understand. This is, this is the heart of God. God says, I didn't come to condemn anybody. I came to show compassion. I came to embrace them. I came to kiss them. I came to be intimate with each of them. And Jesus said this, you know, in multiple places. He said, you have to show compassion to others in the same way that I have shown compassion to you. Let's, let's read Luke chapter 6, verse 36. This is very powerful. He, he's, he's saying this. You must be compassionate for your father in heaven is compassionate. So one thing that can stop of us from receiving compassion from God is if we are not compassionate to others. 
is when we withhold compassion to others, when we withhold our love, when we withhold forgiveness, when we withhold, uh, you know, the, the grace that we have received from God. Do you know that your sins that you think are forgiven, okay? You know, you know what the Bible says, right? As high as the heavens are over, over the earth, as far as the east is from the west, God has separated us from our sins. God has forgotten our iniquities. Do you know God will pull that back out if you don't forgive others? I'll, I'll give you scripture. If you don't believe me, if, you, if you're going to theologically, you know, uh, try to challenge me, I'll, I'll show you from scripture. Can I tell you the story? Jesus said there was a master who had a servant, okay, and he had thousands of dollars of debt. And the master said, okay, he cried. He asked for compassion. The master had compassion on him and, and let him loose. This, ma this man who had who received the forgiveness of debt, he went and then one of his friends who owed him like some, a tiny amount, like a hundred dollar, let's say, okay? He came to him and he asked, can you please give me some time? I know that I need to return this, but can you give me some time? But this guy who had thousands of dollars forgiven, he put that other guy into jail because of the tiny amount that this guy had to pay. Now, the Bible says when the news reached the master, the master, you know, canceled the forgiveness that he had given this guy. Do you know that? And he put him in jail and tortured him till every single one of the debt that he had accumulated would be paid off. So the one reason why some of us don't receive compassion from God is not because God is not compassionate. It is because we are not compassionate. It's because we are not merciful. It's not because God doesn't love you, but his love for you is stopped by your love, your lack of love for the people around you. Jesus said this. He said, hey, when you pray, pray like this. Forgive my sins as you alas, I forgive those who sinned against me. Yeah. So, you know, you know what, what Jesus is trying to say? To the same measure that I have forgiven the people that have sinned against me, you forgive me. You know, how, how, have, how have you forgiven the people who have sinned against you? 10%? 50%? 100%? How much have you forgiven the ones that have sinned against you? And Jesus is saying, when you pray, pray this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive my sins as I have forgiven those who have sinned against me. So today I'm, I'm giving you a charge to walk in forgiveness for the rest of this week. You know, this is the month of unity, right? You know that we cannot experience unity if we don't walk in forgiveness. We cannot experience the bond of peace if you are not willing to forgive. Because you like it or not, people are going to hurt you. People are going to bother you. People are going to rub you on the wrong side. People are going to look down on you. People are going to misunderstand you. People are going to be uh, judging you, condemning you. They, they're going to do that irrespective of how good you are. You know, I'm the most perfect person in our church. And if I get judged... <laughs> I'm just sorry, only, 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 only a few people got the joke. 
You know, can you imagine if, if, if Jesus, Jesus told us, Jesus told his disciples, I am your Lord, your teacher. If they persecuted me, how much more will they persecute you? I am your master. I am your leader. If the leader gets persecuted, if the leader gets looked down upon, how much more will the followers also have the same experience? You are going to be misunderstood. You are going to be hurt today. You are going to be hurt this week. I'll prophesy this, you know. Yeah, trust me. You are going to be heartbroken. There are several things that are coming. Because, see, you remember when God gave us the word saying, this is a year of gathering. It was a prophetic word that this year the enemy is going to try to scatter us. Yeah, because God said this year, this is a year of being rooted, this is the year the enemy is going to try and uproot everything, you know. So you don't need a special prophet, prophet to come and tell you that the enemy is trying to attack. No, if the Lord is saying this is a month where you have to walk in unity, it is obvious that the enemy is going to do everything possible to make sure you don't walk in unity. The funny thing is we know all of this and still we fall for the trap of the enemy. Right on that right time. And after having the revelation, after having all of this, we'll fall prey to that trap that the enemy sets before us. So the Lord is saying, hey, no. To the measure that you show compassion, to the measure that you give mercy to others, to the measure that you forgive others, to the measure that you let go of others, I am going to let go of you. And I am going to have compassion on you. And when I have compassion on you, you know what happens? I'm going to come and raise every dead situation in your life. And I'm going to release healing. And I'm going to release restoration. You know, the prayer that David prayed is, he, he was saying, God, when will you restore me? The question that David asked is, when will you restore me? In the New Testament, Jesus is giving the answer. He's saying, you, you forgive others. You be compassionate to others. You show mercy to others. You walk in forgiveness. And, it's, and, 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 and by the law of God's word, by the law of God's word, by the law of the spirit. See, you know, you know the law of, mo law of motion, Newton's law of motion? Every action has a... So, you know, so you, you, you're expecting, when you, when you do something, you're expecting an equal and opposite reaction. So in the same way, when you show, show mercy, when you forgive others, when you let go of things that have to be let gone off. It is, it is going to come to you by a natural reaction. God's compassion is going to find you up. God's mercy is going to reach you. God's grace is going to locate you. And everything that you thought is dead and decaying and headed to the grave, no more hope, it is going to be restored in this season. Amen. Amen. Let me finish with the book of Lamentations, chapter 3 and verse 31 and verse 32. Verse 31 and 32. The Lord says, For no one is abandoned by the Lord. Wait a minute. What, did, what does it mean? It, it means that for a season you may be abandoned. You know, Jesus himself was abandoned by the Father for a season. For a season, God may withdraw from you. You remember we, we spoke about that on Friday night. Where God was saying, I was angry and I turned away. But if you return to me, I will return to you. So for a season, there can be a distance between our relationship with God. But, but the Bible says, for no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Your 
suffering is not going to last forever. Why? Let's read verse 32. It says, though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. Come on, one more time. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness. One more time, church. Let's declare this. Even in your homes, wherever you are, the scripture is on your screens. Come on, declare it. Raise your hands and declare it to heaven. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion. The same God that allowed this grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness. Because of the greatness. Because of the greatness. Come on, somebody say, because of the greatness. His unfailing love is great in this house. His unfailing love is powerful in this house. His unfailing love is mighty in this house. Because of the greatness of His unfailing love. Because of the greatness of His unfailing love. Because of the greatness of His unfailing love. He, my... My abandonment, my sickness, my struggle is not eternal. So right now, under the grace, come on, everybody, join with me in praying. Under the grace that is on this word, I release healing. I release healing from the spirit to begin from the spirit. In Jesus' name, I, I speak, let the compassion of the Lord, let it flow in this house. Let the compassion of the Lord. Let it move from the front to the back. Let the compassion of the Lord, let it move over every person that is watching us. Let the compassion of the Lord move in uh, spaces and places that you least expect Him to come. Let that compassion of the Lord arise on the inside of you. In Jesus' name. And I pray right now for healings to break out. Yes, that, that deep agony in your spirit, let it be lifted up right now in Jesus' name. Everything that is hurting you, everything that is causing the tears, I'm telling you in the spirit, don't cry, my son. Don't cry, my daughter. The Lord is speaking to you. You are my child. I've cared for you. I've listened to you. I've seen your tears. So don't cry anymore. I lift you up. I lift you up in the spirit realm. And I speak to your body. In Jesus' name, be restored. Let there be evidence of life right now. Let there be evidence of life. That, that part of your body that is losing sensation, let that evidence of life come back. In Jesus' name. Let the evidence of life come back in your conversations. Let that evidence of life come back in your natural, in your marriage, in your physical realm. Let the evidence of life come back. We release this healing grace over every person that is submitting to the power of this word. For though he brings grief, he also shows compassion. Because of the greatness of his unfailing love. Because of the greatness of his unfailing love. We yield ourselves to you, God. We yield ourselves to the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope it blessed you. Do visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information. You're welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service 
at 11am at youtube.com slash Pastor Preji. God bless you and have a blessed week.